No, people were saying, oh my God, Mia. And I was like, Andrea. <laughs> I was so confused the whole night. Hello and welcome to episode two of Movie Splaining to My Girlfriend. I'm your host, Connor Quinlan. I'm joined by my co-host and partner, Andrea Tai. Hiya. This is a movie rewatch podcast where a movie nerd tests the limits of his long-suffering partner's patience and indeed the limits of their relationship by forcing her to watch a movie and then listen to a variety of useless information about said movie. So we released episode one last week and that was on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we got some responses, which were fun. You have been a little bit uh, vindicated, I suppose, with your comparison of Dennis Quaid and Harrison Ford. Yes, and thank you to everybody out there who agreed with me, because it's true. I, I, I will say that everyone said they, they used to confuse them. And mm-hmm. you said that as well. Yeah. All right. That comparison first came from one of your friends saying that she had confused them last week mm-hmm. okay yeah so no that was a problem we won't name her but uh yeah the day after tomorrow starring harrison ford happened in her house she watched the whole film believing she was watching harrison ford yeah so that was that was embarrassing uh i will say that even though some people supported you some people really hated on you mm. i was i was sent some private messages now about uh how ridiculous you were for saying that you didn't enjoy Raiders of the Lost Ark, and also you didn't think it was a good introduction to Indiana Jones. Yeah, people need to leave me alone. Back off. No, you're going to get so much hate for <laughs> I know for this show in general. No, I'm joking. Um, it was a ridiculous take that it wasn't a good introduction to him. Mm. But uh, but look, I won't keep going on about it. We did go to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was so good. Like, I'm sorry, but it was so much better than Raiders. And I'm going to get killed for saying that. What did that. you just say? Yeah, I'm going to get killed. But I really did think it was amazing. Like, I thought it was a really fun watch. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. It was a fun watch. And it recapped. And there was, do you know what? There was bits of it that was very similar to Raiders. But it was a really sweet kind of throwback. And then I just, I felt so... Do you know what I've realised? I know exactly why. Why? Because there's two things in life that you are obsessed with. One is dogs. Mm-hmm. The other is just old men. All right. Okay. Can we just rephrase that? No, 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 that? no. I'm actually not going to. You have an obsession. Every time we're, we're out for a walk and we pass just an old, an old man with a dog, <laughs> you... You, you almost cry. You just you, you just think it's the cutest they're thing ever. They're so cute. And when they're on their own, I just want to hug them. Right. So, of course, your favorite Indiana Jones film now is the one where Harrison Ford is the oldest. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, this again, this is what I'm dealing with, everyone. So, let's move on from that uh, to the film we are covering for episode two. So, we chose to take a look at Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction from 1994. Again, this film may get spoiled, but it, the film is older than Andrea, so 
uh, it would be your fault if we spoiled something for you. Why? Can I just say, is it not older than you? No, it's not. It's 1994. Oh. So it's in that that gap between our our births. Um, okay. Yeah. So you hadn't seen this film. No, I hadn't. I, we went to see it in the cinema, didn't mm-hmm. we? Because Omniplex was uh, was showing a few. They were having some movie marathon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was part of it. So, uh, just before we get on to what your thoughts are, uh, will you tell, having not seen the film, will you tell the audience uh, who you dressed up for Halloween a few years back? Okay, so I did dress up as Mia, okay, yeah. and I may or may not have known that her name was Mia. <laughs> People came up to you saying, oh my God, you're dressed up as Mia. No, people were saying, oh my God, Mia. And I was like, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused the whole night. And then it wasn't until later on I Googled it. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, it's, you also have a t-shirt. I do. Look, I've been a Pulp Fiction Fiction. fan for a while. No, you've been a (laughs) Pulp Fiction poster fan for a while. Yeah. Uh, You're like someone who wears a Ramones t-shirt. And can name like one of their songs. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty embarrassing. I had a t-shirt growing up. I got it as a teenager from Dunn's actually. Mm-hmm. That had John Travolta and Samuel Jackson on it with the quote, the 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 Bible verse that um that Samuel Jackson reads out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a ballsy enough t-shirt for Dunn's to be selling but uh they did so i had that for years until i grew out of it uh the, the, this film it can be described as a dorm room poster movie do you know what that means i'm assuming it means it's a dorm room poster movie and everyone had pictures of them in their dorm pretty much it's one of those films that everyone in college mm-hmm. loves pulp fiction and got the poster mm-hmm. yeah. and w- there's one film a few years ago that got criticised for trying to be a dorm room poster film. It's one that you love and I don't quite love. I feel like it's Joker. It's Joker. It oh, is wow. Joker. Okay. It it feels like it was like trying to be edgy and trying to make every student kind of think, ooh, how edgy and how cool and yeah, uh, it just didn't do it. So, but Pulp Fiction, it feels like one of the the earliest dorm room poster films. Like I'm sure Cool Hand Luke and stuff before that, but. Anyway, so, Pulp Fiction, what did you think of it? It was nice. It was fine. It was nice. I, look, I, I'm afraid I'm going to get killed for anything I say on this. <laughs> so I am going to be very careful with what words I use. It was fine. It was... I, <laughs> look, I love Tarantino films, but it wasn't my favourite at all. I'm going to challenge you in that I love Tarantino films. I do. Do you? Yes. How many have you seen? Not many. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I love what? Once Upon a Time. You love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you haven't seen any other films other than Pulp Fiction. Okay. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tarantino. You're just posing again with that, like, <laughs> the t-shirt. Okay, so it's not as good as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in mm-hmm. your mind. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Are you, you going to challenge that? Um... We'll see. We'll see. I'll get to it. I think this was the first time I watched this in about 10 years. And I I watched it as a teenager first. I think in college, I kind of overloaded on it a little, a little bit. And to the point that I, in my head, I was going, oh, it's not as good as I remember. Watching it in the cinema, it's pretty much as good as I remember. And 
yeah, there's a couple of things I'm like, Ooh, don't like that. I think my attention span has gone down the toilet. So two and a half hours was, I felt it. Yeah, that was probably my problem, to be honest. Yeah. And going into it, knowing that it was that long, mm. I already knew I was going to struggle to watch all of it and keep my attention span. And to be honest with you, the minute Uma Thurman was gone off screen, I kind of, I lost my way wow. until the last 15 minutes, I'd say. Yeah, until it gets back to Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And, uh, and the scene. John Travolta. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's fair. Now, I'll... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this in failures, but um, I'll let you get on to your first success. Okay, so my first success was that I loved the extreme differences between each character. So I feel everyone kind of had their own individual stand, which was co- quite cool, and their own style. Um, and I made, it kind of made them more memorable, I suppose. And I suppose that is kind of why it would have become a dorm room poster type film because it's quite unique in that sense. I felt, you know, you've got John Travolta with the mad long hair, you've got Uma Thurman with the short black hair and she's quite edgy as well. I just feel all of it was unique and no two characters looked identical, if that makes sense. They all had their own personalities, which was really cool. Yeah, I had the exact same. Did you? Like I said, the characters and the dialogue and because Tarantino has kind of a trademark dialogue. Mm Mm-hmm. But yet all the characters, they don't sound the same mm-hmm. as each other. It's not like they're reading someone else's word. They, they very much feel authentic. So yeah, I, I completely, completely agree with you. Okay. So go for your sec- second success. Well, seeing as you have mentioned dialogue, that was actually my second point. I did say that I really liked a lot of the dialogue. Um, you know, some of it was well thought of and it was witty. Now, that being said, I definitely have some criticism, which will fall into my failures. But however, overall, I thought it was quite good. And again, witty. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Dialogue. Yeah, for sure. It's there. It's pretty iconic lines came out of this. There is actually one line, which it's not going to be my my favorite quote, but it was one that I completely forgotten came from this film. It's check out the big brain on Brett. That's reference yes. so much and you mentioned that when we were watching it mm. i think you were like wait for this and i did recognize well, it wasn't it. that it wasn't that that i was saying wait for it but when when he said it i went oh yeah that's yeah. what this is from yeah. uh, crazy um i'll go into my second success and that was the casting specifically travolta jackson and thurman i think if you look at all three of their careers so john travolta was obviously at the time, the most well-known mm-hmm. of the three. Uh, but his career had kind of dipped a little. And all he had that anybody has really seen in the previous five or six years were the the Look Who's Talking films. Okay. And everything else wasn't really hitting. So it was kind of, you know, kind of ballsy to get John Travolta in for this role. And it's so different from anything he played before. Mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson... Uh, he he had small roles in so many things for years up until that point. And uh, are you shaking your head at me? Am I going on, am I? Mm, just a bit. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep going on. Uh, we've only started. Um, like Samuel Jackson's kind of, he pops up in Goodfellas and Spike Lee films. And then Jurassic Park a year earlier was probably his biggest role in yeah. his biggest film up until then. And then... Yeah, he, he was class on it. And then Uma Thurman, same. He, she, like, if you look at any of her films beforehand, I, I don't recognise any of them, really. Yeah. 
Yeah. And again, such a different role for her to play. Yeah. So. And it worked. It suited mm. her so much. So yeah, that was my second. Do you want to go on to your third? My third one was I loved the soundtrack. I was saying that there were some seriously underrated songs in it, um, such as Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang. And I said, Let's Stay Together by Al Green, which is a really good song. And then obviously there was the obvious songs like Son of a Preacher Man and um, all of those. And you, can, and you Can Never Tell, which is in the you never famous, can tell, yeah, yeah. In the famous song. That was so cool. That was really so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had the exact same third mm, success okay. as well. But that soundtrack, it was everywhere. It was in my house. The, the CD was in my house and played all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone... Everyone in my house had seen Pulp Fiction and there was at least one song we all liked. So, yeah, I had, and it was great me then growing up and then watching the film and having that relationship with music mm-hmm. really helped as well. So, yeah, let's go on to our failures of the film. Do you have three failures? I actually don't. Oh, do you not? I okay. have two. Now, the reason I have two is because I'm not going to lie. Connor and I saw this in cinema I, I want to say about a month or two ago. So trying to actually remember every mm. little detail was definitely tough. Um, however, I'll get on with it. So the first one I said was I felt that sometimes the dialogue was a little confusing while being witty. And then next minute you'd be in the next scene and I'd still feel like I'm trying to almost process what just happened in the last scene. I felt like it was all very speedy. Do you know, there was a lot going on all the time. Was, was it the time jumps that were confusing you a little I bit? I think so, a little bit. And I'd be kind of just trying to process what had just happened. And all of a sudden we'd be in a, in a new scene. And I'd be like, wait, what? I, I, what just happened? Do okay. you know? So that definitely was tough for me. And I think if I went and rewatched it again, I'd probably find it a bit easier to watch. But because it was the same with like Once Upon a Time. Mm. Like when I watched it first, I was like, what is going on? However, the second time... I loved it even more because I'd seen it once. And I think that goes for most films. But when they're a little bit edgy or different, you definitely do need to give them more than one chance. Mm. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it took me a few watches to really get everything uh, straight in my head about, right, these characters are here now, but then we're going to jump beforehand. Mm. And yeah, yeah I, I, I understand. I'm not going to be too hard on you for that one. Mm. Um, my first failure, and this is a film I do really like, so I was searching a little bit, but this, this was the first failure that came to my head. Um, parts of the Butch storyline, this was the storyline with Bruce Willis. Yeah. It drags out a little bit. And I, I think the relationship of him and the girlfriend, I don't care that much about it I do want him to get out of town safely and all that but I don't care about that and it's only when he's away from her and getting uh, getting the watch and running away from from Marcellus I I love all that Mm -hmm. and then in the shop in what you call Zed's shop and getting the samurai sword down I think that's all brilliant but it's just I think the start of it it's like come on get to it get to it that's the only time on this watch I felt the film was dragging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I actually really agree with you. And although I didn't write that as a failure, now that you bring it up, I'm remembering sitting in the cinema being like, mm. wait, what is the context of this? Why is all of this happening? And when it did get to the main point, I was like, oh, right, okay. But I did think the relationship was a very strange one. Mm. I thought the acting was a little bit ropey and weak at times. 
And that alone was kind of just shifting my interest because I was like, oh no, there's no kind of chemistry here. So mm. I was straight away gone, you know. So we're on the same page there. Brilliant. Yeah. What's your second failure? Um, my second failure is probably one that annoys a lot of girls who might love Uma Thurman. But it's, it's that she's barely in it. I feel like she was such a big poster for this movie and she's gone almost like, I don't even know how long the film was on for and then she's suddenly gone. And I really didn't like the whole drug overdose scene. I just, it was too much for me. You're not great with drug scenes. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> who is? <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't like it. I was like, oh my God, I didn't expect this outcome. Mm. Like I knew there was a little bit of goriness in it. Like I'd seen images before, but I didn't anticipate that. And once she was gone, I was like, oh, well, I was kind of only looking at or yeah. watching this movie for her. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. I feel like she's too good of an actress to have her gone so short like you know shortly into the film yeah it's it's mad actually how little she's in yeah for for the, being on the poster yeah exactly you know? that's the thing and it's mad but she makes the impact like that is an iconic character she does she does and that's mm. again that's why me you know I, I would go and watch that film it was specifically for her like you mm. know there's women who dress up as her for Halloween and they may have not seen it you know yeah. exhibit A here yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there who are the exact same and anticipate that she's the lead, but she's yeah. not. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, my second failure, Tarantino casting himself. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my God. He, he He's not a good actor. Yeah. He's just not. He's great at everything else. Yeah. It was it, like every time I watch it, I forget how bad he is. Uh, now, there is a, another one of his films where he, he pops up towards the end for, for one scene and he has an Australian accent for no reason whatsoever. Mm. You haven't seen it yet. I'll get you to watch it at some point. But that one is definitely worse than this one. Yeah. Um, there was someone who he actually wanted to play that role and offer the role first. I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, it just he's so much worse than Harvey Keitel, John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, everyone that he's acting with he just can't keep up yeah I again mm. I completely forgot about that until you said it now and <laughs> I think that would have been a failure for me like I only have two failures but add in the ropey acting between you know the relationship with Bruce Willis and mm. all that and with Tarantino I do feel that was definitely a weak element yeah for sure I have a third failure actually oh okay and it's 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 not a small one but it's it's one that I was able to put aside pretty quick okay but it's just in the opening credits seeing Harvey Weinstein's name. It's, it's just, I think it, it tires the film a little bit because you just kind of go, I wonder, I wonder what was going on yeah. in the making of this. You know, it, it's, it's so tough every time you see his name yeah. and, and whoever else as well. Uh, yeah, it's quite sad even, do you know, because it mm. straight away sets you up and it can distract from the film and what yeah. you're watching because you're kind of going were these actors impacted you exactly know? which is awful or not even actors but people behind the scenes as well yeah so it was just a little bit of a sting yeah seeing, seeing his name in the opening credits but uh, but it didn't impact the whole film watch uh, mm -hmm. for me right so that's the end of successes and failures we're going to move on to my movie spaining corner yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so these are the facts that I fully believe Andrea needs to know no, to complete her enjoyment and experience of the film. So I have 10 of them. I'm going to go through them as quickly as I can. 
So number one is actually, I've just got a list of all the people that were almost cast mm-hmm. in this film. Interesting, so, okay. Uh, Meg Ryan and Holly Hunter were both in line to play Mia at one point. Okay. Uh, for Vincent Vega, the uh, John Travolta role, Harvey Weinstein wanted Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, wow. Okay. Bizarre. Like, actually, I kind of see it mm. in ways. Isn't there a movie where he has really long hair? What am I thinking of? <laughs> a movie where Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. has really long hair. What is that? In the name of the father, he had pretty long hair. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking okay, of. fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, that's a weird one. The role of Vincent Vega was originally going to go to an actor, Michael Madsen. Do okay. you know him? No. So Michael Madsen was in Reservoir Dogs, uh, which was Tarantino's kind of first theatrical film. And Michael Madsen chose another role. I think it was Wyatt Earp, the film Wyatt Earp. Uh, so... The role, there, this this character, Vincent Vega, is actually the brother of the character Michael Madsen played in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. I'll get to the whole uh, Tarantino universe in a second. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres auditioned for a role that would go to Rosanna Arquette. So she's the uh, the girlfriend of the guy Travolta gets the drugs off. Okay, yeah, vaguely remember her. Yeah, and actually that guy, who was played by Eric Stoltz, the executives wanted Gary Oldman. For that role. Mm, interesting. In fact, at one point, Tarantino thought about making Vincent and Jules two Englishmen. Oh my God. And thought about casting Tim Roth and Gary Oldman. Wow. He scrapped that, that idea, but he gave Tim Roth the role of Pumpkin. He's the guy that holds up the diner. Yes. Yeah. Um, and actually for that role, the executives wanted Johnny Depp or Christian Slater. Okay, interesting. And finally, for the Sam Jackson role, Quentin Tarantino wrote the role for someone else. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne who we are currently watching in I'm getting a blank face here just so you know we are currently watching a TV show starring Lawrence Fishburne Hannibal Hannibal he's, <laughs> he's the FBI dude gosh thank god I'm only watching one TV show right now or I would not have known <laughs> yeah, who you were talking yeah, yeah. about um, so that was my first and actually I touched on my second there as well so Tarantino and his movie universe mm-hmm. he's got two universes yeah. One is the main universe that Pulp Fiction is set in, Reservoir Dogs, uh, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a few others, uh, Inglorious Bastards as well. And it's, he, he thinks of those set in the real world, although with an alternate kind of version of the real world. So Inglorious Bastards, which you haven't seen yet, it's got an alternate ending to the war. Okay. Um, same mm. as Once Upon, Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, kind yeah. of re- revises what happens there. So he's got that, and then he's got a few films that are movies within the universes. So the film, the uh, Kill Bill. Yes. Which, funnily enough, I've only actually seen the first Kill Bill. There's volume one and volume two. I've never seen the second one. Yeah. So I have to watch that soon. But Kill Bill is considered a film within the universe, and you're kind of thinking, is that Mia Wallace playing the main character oh, in Kill Bill. So things like that. That's cool. So he's got a few a few films that are movies within the movies. Yeah. Um, so the actor who originally was offered the role of Jimmy, which is the role that Tarantino took, was Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, who you know. You know Steve Buscemi. Are we sure? Oh, come on. He was I... in, we watched The Big Lebowski recently. Um, oh, yes. You know Donnie. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So Steve Buscemi 
was offered the role, the role of Jimmy, but couldn't do it, mm-hmm. scheduling conflicts. So instead, he came in and did a small cameo as Buddy Holly in the diner. He's mm-hmm. the guy that comes up and serves them. So yeah. that was Steve Buscemi, and that's something I never knew until I was literally watching the credits in the cinema. Oh. I saw that. Mad. Uh, number five. So Tarantino worked at a video store before he was a director. He worked at a video store called Video Archives, where he met... Roger Avery, who he collabor- collaborated with for years. And uh, so Roger Avery has a story by credit on, okay. on uh, Pulp Fiction. How many times do you think the F word was used in this film? Gosh, I'm not sure. I feel like it was a lot. Was it a lot? It was a lot. Yeah. Hmm. It was 265 times. What? And it's funny, it's like half an hour longer than The Big Lebowski. Yes. But it uses like... 10 times less <laughs> yeah and it's funny I noticed it in The mm. Big Lebowski but you didn't notice but it but I didn't notice it in this there yeah yeah they use it a lot um, what do you think it's Rotten Tomatoes critic scores I feel like 95% 92 ooh close close now I don't rate Rotten Tomatoes that much but it is interesting to see that it is the highest rated Tarantino film mm-hmm. now there's one that he wrote and didn't direct that has a 93 and that's my favourite Tarantino film technically it's True Ro- true Romance okay so um, it's just interesting to see that gets a higher rating but yeah. anyway Rotten Tomatoes it's, it's broken it doesn't work that's true Bruce Willis was the big box office name for this film Bruce okay. Willis was the one they were like yeah we're going to make money if we put him in the film because if you think about it the other guys weren't that famous yeah at the time I suppose as a comparison yeah yeah, yeah. Mental. so uh, yeah he was he was brought in and he made a hell of a lot of money out of it as, as well so fair play now last week I taught you what a MacGuffin is was there a MacGuffin in this film you're going to have to um, <clears throat> repeat what a MacGuffin is you're not is? listening <laughs> of course I was but I've forgotten a MacGuffin is an object that all the characters are after in a film and it seems like a very very important object but it's kind of irrelevant in in of itself you know like drugs mm. <laughs> i don't know the suitcase oh my gosh yes i completely see the suitcase that Forgotten. they kept opening and there was something in there yes uh, that's a prime example of a MacGuffin. did we find out no. what was in it no, no we okay. never know apparently there is an answer Oh. We don't know. Interesting. Um, there is a very funny community episode, actually, that takes off Pulp Fiction that everybody should watch. And it's it's got a great briefcase gag in it as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was MacGuffin. Now, and finally, how much do you think the film costs to make? Oh, God. I don't know. No. Like 80 million. Ooh. You, you divide that by 10. Oh, really? Yeah, 8 million. Five million of that went to the cast. Oh my gosh. Which is insane. And then the final global box office was over 210 million. Oh my gosh. So they made a bit of a profit off that. Wow, just a tad. So that's the end of my movie explaining corner. We are moving on to Andrea's lookalike corner. So this is the section where Andrea, because she can't get through a whole film without stopping, pausing, and googling someone that one of the actors looks like, uh, we are going to put that 
into the podcast so you never have to do it through a film ever again. Hmm. <laughs> I'm still on the fact that you sighed introducing this. Yeah, go on, go on. Let's get it over with. Go on. Oh, I'll remember that. Okay, so yeah, so I had a few and I suppose I do have one that is going to remind you of the whole Harrison Ford and Dennis Quaid debate last week. We'll get to that though, but there was somebody who reminds me of other people. You may or may not agree, but anyways, moving on. First person that I named as somebody who looks like someone. Now, it doesn't really count because they are related, but Uma Thurman is very like her daughter at times Mm. throughout the movie. I am somebody who has seen Stranger Things. So I had seen Stranger Things prior to actually watching Pulp Fiction. So I really noticed it throughout this film. They have very similar mannerisms at times. And of course, Maya Hawke turns up in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. That's Mm. the thing. So there were moments where I was like, oh my God. Now I do think Maya is very like her father as well. I don't see any of that. Really? No, I I fully see her as a clone of Uma Thurman. No, they're not that alike. Believe it or not, there are a lot of features that she has um, of her dad's as well. But it is her mannerisms at times and some of her facial expressions. You are get com- so into this corner. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Speak for yourself. Go on, keep going, keep going. So yeah, that was the first one. Uh, the second one, so the girl who plays Bruce Willis's um, partner, mm. Maria de Madiras, is that her name? Sure. Yeah. She is a blend and you're probably going to argue with me here, but I am right, okay? And I will take no arguments here. She's a mix of Lauren Lapkus. Do you know who she is? She was in The Wrong Missy. Yes. I'm probably saying her surname wrong. Okay. And Anna Darmas. She is a mix of the two. She is... I I gotta have a look at her now. I went... I don't see that. Oh, no, completely. I, I looked at snippets before actually doing this podcast because I saw it in a picture... So I then had to YouTube little snippets and I was like, oh my God, yeah. So rewatch the movie if you want mm. to argue with me because it is throughout right, um, I, moments in, in yeah, the Don't see film. that one at all. All right, keep going. And the final one, which may or may not cause an argument here, is um, I, growing up, mixed up Bruce Willis with Bob Odenkirk and and I'm not finished. And Kevin Costner. Oh my god. Okay, the Bruce Willis and Kevin Costner thing. I see that a little bit, but Bob Odenkirk. There's something. There's nothing. There's something. Absolutely zero. I think it's just their shape face. Or They're something. just balding. That's it. Oh god, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I stand by it. Growing up, I always used to confuse them. I kind of see the Kevin Costner comparison. I'll give you that, but yeah. not Bob Odenkirk. But there's just something. It's like if Kevin Costner and Bob Odenkirk had a baby, it's Bruce Willis. Or somewhere there's there, someone's having a baby with somebody. For everybody. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. You done? I am done. Good. Right. Uh, so the movie's planning questionnaire. So mm-hmm. 10 quick fire questions for both myself and Andrea to answer. Ready? Let's yes. get through this as quick as we can. Favourite performer of the film? Uma Thurman. All right, Samuel Jackson. Okay. Uh, quote to live by? My quote was, I had to pick this because it reminds me of me and I, mm. I think I have actually said this. Don't you just love it when you come back from the bathroom and find your food waiting for you? You have said that 
I, I have. I've, I, you've said it to yes, me. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a great boyfriend. Uh, I went for Jules. He just has like one great line that I think is overlooked when he says, if my answers frighten you, then you should cease asking scary questions. Oh, I like it's that good one. one. It's a good mm-hmm. quote to live by. It is. Right, three, favourite scene. My favourite scene, oh, the dance scene, hands down. Now, I know that's really cliche, but I did also love the final scene when you, when I, well, I'm sure a lot of other people had clocked that there was a lot of time mm. differences here, but it was the moment where I kind of copped on that Samuel L. Jackson oh. was in, he was in the diner. Oh, yeah, yeah And it yeah. was like everything unraveled. And it was the same diner from the start. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> that's pretty good. My favourite scene is Jules and Vincent interrogating Brett and okay. going on to the... The, the whole Bible verse, the, and I will strike down upon thee, all that kind of thing. Okay. Brilliant scene. Um, recasting the film. I had so much fun with this, but I'm still so unsure with who I cast because I feel like it's really difficult to cast. I, it's too difficult. I, I only chose one person. Okay, you tell me yours for it first. Because well, it's I not even one person, but it's basically the John Travolta role because John Travolta took such a different role and to anything is played I'd like to see other actors kind of take that role I was thinking like if you look at these all American boys like Chris Evans even even Zac Efron or someone someone like that taking a weird ass role like that I'd want to see that would be so so funny I, I do you know what it's funny because when I was looking at everybody I was like nope that that role is too weird for this person and I found it difficult to cast because of that but I suppose I had to in the end. Yeah. But, well, um, I, I'll, I'll say as well, just this conversation has sparked. Give Maya Hawke the Uma Thurman role. Well, I almost did, but mm. I have someone else in mind and they are already in a Quentin Tarantino film. Go on. So I said that Margaret Qualley would be a really good... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd be... Because she's kind of weird and quirky. She is weird and quirky. Yeah. yeah so. I, that's, a, that's a very good casting. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. I don't have anyone else. Okay. Again, this is a film that I don't think should be touched. Yeah, I'm I'm genuinely with you there. Like, Mm. I think she was the easiest person to recast in my mind. And I did say Maya Hawke. And then I was like, no, I feel like Margaret Qualley would suit it. Because it would almost be just like a funny remake if they cast their children of these people, you know. Um, But when I recast them, I said John Travolta's role. I said Brad Pitt. Simply because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, I think Brilliant. he'd be really funny. But he was, you know, the first time he did anything with Tarantino was my favourite film, True Romance. Yeah. Where he basically plays a stoner on the couch yeah. of someone's house that just doesn't do anything. Oh, and wow. he says these random lines every now and again. That was his first yeah, yeah. collaboration. Sorry, I, I feel like he'd be really good at it. Yeah. Um, for Samuel L. Jackson's role, I was just poking fun here. I said Matt Damon. I thought it was just <laughs> a funny combination. <laughs> I can just see the two of them making it really funny. You see Matt Damon and Brad yeah. as the two. That's interesting. Okay. Um, for Bruce Willis's role, I said Michael B. Jordan. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why. I just was like, yeah. I can see it. It's because he plays a boxer. Yeah. Well, we've seen that's, Creed. <laughs> that's the most obvious one. But I also do see it. I think you've reason. mixed up. I'm going back. I think you've mixed up Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. I think Brad Pitt should be playing... The Samuel Jackson role. Do you think? And Matt Damon. Yeah, because Samuel Jackson's the one who's kind of doling out the knowledge the whole time. And he's he's kind of in a more, I don't know, what's the word? Like, he's he's, he's just a smarter character in teaching uh, John Travolta the whole time. So I think yeah. Brad Pitt would be that person. 
yeah. Matt Damon will be the, kind of just listening away and true but I think them. Matt Damon has delivered some very good like monologues in the past as well so mm, I do think maybe, that it maybe. could suit him fair enough um, for the role of Maria de, Madi- de Madeiros Jesus, you've really gone through these way um, more than I have yeah I did um, so she again is the lady that plays um, Bruce Willis's girlfriend I said Chloe Grace Moritz I don't know why I just so felt like Chloe it. Grace Moretz and yeah. Michael B. Jordan I don't know why I thought okay. I don't know why okay and the final one you know Ving Rhames is that yeah. his name um, I said Ben Affleck I don't know what's going on <laughs> I think ridiculous. I think I just imagined him in the scene with the what's it called you know when when they're like held captive nearly so oh god I'm not, I'm not saying what I was going to do but you just wanted to see Ben Affleck have to go through that okay no, great no no I, I just imagined it in my head and it was funny <laughs> wow uh, Ben Affleck but no I'm not giving you that sorry Right, let's move on to phone watch. How many times were you tempted to pick up the phone? Now, we're in a cinema where there's no reception, thankfully. But yeah. would you have picked up your phone if we were at home? To be honest with you, probably. Yeah. I think throughout any of the Bruce Willis scenes, I was kind of like, come on, hurry up. Okay, okay. I'll allow it. Uh, this film made you want to watch what? Once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I said Inglorious Bastards. Okay. And true romance. Like, I don't need much of a much of a, a reason to watch True Romance so I have to give that a shout now could this be a West End musical absolutely not so are you going to tell me that it was in 2022 oh, in no. Portland Oregon some amateur theatre group were putting on a, a, a stage version of Pulp Fiction and decided to make it a musical oh my so, god we don't have any videos of that, but uh, if anyone does find videos of that, please send it. They said it was a parody. Yeah, so, like, I yeah. can only imagine it as a parody. Yeah, exactly. Now, because I believe that every film can somehow be connected to Marvel's MCU, what is the MCU connection in this film? Oh my gosh, I actually don't know. Is there something wrong with me? Why can't I think of this? Is it really obvious? There's one very obvious one. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Yes. That's Nick, Nick Fury. Yes. Now, there's others. Mm-hmm. So, Ving Rhames appears in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh. As one of the other Ravagers with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Tim Roth, mm-hmm. who... Seriously, Tim Roth is one of my favourite actors, by the way. I, I think he's so under, underrated. Uh, Tim Roth was the villain in The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Which we skipped, mm-hmm. so you don't get that. He did pop back up in She-Hulk as well. And also, there are two references to Pulp Fiction. Sorry, three actually. Three references to Pulp Fiction in the entirety of the MCU. Oh, wow. So in Captain Marvel, there's actually, there's one shot, a camera shot, of Samuel Jackson and uh, Clark Gregg in a car that is pretty much uh, uh, kind of, what you call it, a copy of the shot of Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta driving okay. the car. And they're both wearing suits and it, it makes sense. There's also later on uh, the character played by Ben Mendelsohn, the alien scroll. He pops out drinking out of a kind of takeaway drink cup that looks like it has the same design as one that Samuel Jackson drinks out of in Pulp Fiction. So that's two in Captain Marvel alone. And then if you go back to the Winter Soldier... At the end, it has Nick Fury faking his own death. And 
on his gravestone is written the path of the righteous man from Ezekiel 25, 17. And that's the Bible quote that Samuel Jackson does in oh, Pulp Fiction. So there you that's go. clever. Yeah, loads of MCU connections there. Right, how many stars did you give this film? Three and a half. Oh, you... <laughs> now, I would have given it four stars, but the whole Bruce Willis relationship thing I felt was so dragged out that it lost half a star. It would have been a four star film for me. I, I expected a four star film from you. Oh, no. That's what I... Because I know you have problems with drugs on screen. Like, mm. I know they kind of make you go, ugh. Mm. And uh, so I, did, I wasn't expecting you to give this five stars ever. Mm. But to be honest with you, it wasn't even the drug side of things that made me give it a three and a half star um, rating. It was just the relationship. I did feel like it was dragged out. And there were so many moments where, you know, they were on screen and I felt like it was going on. And I was like, okay, I'm bored. Can we move on to the next okay. bit? Do you know? Okay. I, th- I just think three and a half for Pulp Fiction is incredibly low, but okay. Also, enough. as well, just the lack of Uma Thurman. Like, it just upset me. I was I went in well, with such high... Well, every film is never going to get five stars if you if there's just a lack of Uma Thurman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means everything gets zero. No, I do feel like it was... Because she was the poster for it. Mm. You know, I obviously, like anyone else going into it blindly, is going to think she's the lead and... Because I was so hyped, I was really disappointed. Mm. If you like him with Herman so much, I think we should soon, we should, we should watch Batman and Robin. Mm. Because uh, you like him with Herman. Mm-hmm. You like uh, George Clooney. Yeah. You like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's trying to persuade me to watch something I don't want to watch. Oh, it's Batman and Robin though. Oh God, I'll watch Kill Bill with you instead. We're never watching Batman and Robin, don't worry. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Okay. Uh, finally, would you watch this film again? Yeah, simply because I feel like I might give it a better rating a second okay. time around. Okay. You know, I do feel that way towards Tarantino films. I know I've only seen two now, but I still feel they are so wacky that you sometimes do need to watch them twice Fair in enough. order to kind of comprehend what's going on. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be watching this a lot, I'd say. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of made me realise that getting out of my college brain mm-hmm. and just going, oh, isn't it so edgy and cool? I think it actually just is a very well made film. <laughs> yeah. Right. Finally, the smarminess meter. How smarmy was I throughout this episode? Do you know what, Connor? You didn't annoy me. Like, you didn't. Now, uh-uh, I'm not finished. <laughs> I'm going to give you a healthy five because you weren't that bad. I t- personally, I thought I was worse than last week. Oh my God, no, last week. Oh my God. I, I don't know what happened last week. You were just excited about it being the first episode. Maybe at some point we should uh, publish like a poll on, on social media. Oh, <laughs> and so definitely. anyone else can decide how smart me are. Yeah. Fair enough. I will take my five and run with it. Thank you. <laughs> right. That is us. Thank you so much for listening, folks. So that's our second episode. We are an independent podcast. So if you'd like to support and help us grow our listenership, you can do that in three ways. One is to follow, follow us on Instagram. We're at Moviesplaining to my girlfriend. Share our posts or even the pod- podcast episodes themselves across your social media and with all your friends and family. Two is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you listen to your podcast. And three is to go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating 
and also write a review because that helps massively with the algorithm and it allows us to be discovered more easily. So next week, we've got a bit of a modern classic that I forced Andrea to rewatch because I was not satisfied with her initial verdict. Do you know what? Do you remember what it was? No. Oh, the social network, he oh, whispered. Gosh. Okay, I was hoping not to give it away, but there you go. I was going to say, so have you changed your mind on that one? But now, save it. Save it, all right? God, any, do you have any sense of kind of... Awareness? No. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say, but I agree. Right, so that episode was produced and edited by Andrea Tai. Our fantastic theme song was written by Dara O'Brien and performed by Dara O'Brien and Kathy Gardner. That is us. We will see you next week. Anything to add? Absolutely not. All right. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.